Amen. Alright, go ahead and take your Bibles today. Turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12. Samuel chapter 12. Last night as I was preparing, uh, getting ready to prepare for a message, I was just sitting there, you know, and I'm feeling very thankful. You know, I'm just kind of looking around the place and just excited about, you know, the building. And you know, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm being honest here, I'm not just trying to sound spiritual or complimentary or anything, but you know, one of the things that, I mean, it has me a lot more excited about the church than the improvement of the building is just the fact that there, all of you are here and that there's people here. I mean, who cares if you have a nice building if there's nobody here to preach to? And you know, the simple fact that uh, you know that God used people here. He used all of you to make this happen. You know, the just the faithfulness and the giving uh, over the last several months, and just all the folks that came out here and helped the work. I mean, it really it did my heart good. And it really encouraged me, and I was just—I'm sitting there, and I'm—I'm I'm just thankful. And uh, thinking, boy, you know, I'd like to really preach something kind of along these lines. And I—and the verse that came to my mind was this verse. I want to read a few verses to you in First Samuel, and I'll kind of give you a little background on what was going on. We're not going to take time to read the whole story, but in First Samuel chapter twelve, verse twenty-three, it says, "Moreover, as for me." This is Samuel talking. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things He hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. What was going on here, Israel, they wanted to be like all the other nations. And they went to Samuel, who was their leader, and they said, give us a king that we may be like the other nations. And he said, you don't know what you're asking for. You don't want a king. That's not what God wants for you. That's not what's best for you. We don't want to be like the other nations. But they said, no, we want to have a king. And Samuel proceeded to tell them, hey, this is what's going to happen. He's going to take your sons. And he's going to take your possessions. And all these things are going to happen. And they said, we still want the king. And then Samuel, uh, you know, they, he's basically telling them you're going to be in trouble. And they wanted Samuel to pray for him. And he said there in, that, in verse 23, he's like, I'm not going to stop praying for you, but I'm going to teach you the truth. I'm going to teach you the right thing to do. And then he tells them, he said, just only fear the Lord. Serve Him in truth with all your heart. And then he makes a statement, for consider how great things He hath done for you. Israel, they were going against God in what they were asking here. And Samuel's asked, he's telling them, I want you to just consider, to think about what God has done for you. And today in this message, I want you, I hope you listen to the message, but at the same time, I kind of hope you let your mind wander a little bit and, and will, while you're sitting here, think about the great things that God has done for you. To consider the great things he hath done for you. Because when we forget the great things that God has done for us, it's going to get us in big trouble. We're going to have problems. He tells them in the next verse, if you still do wickedly, you're going to be consumed, both ye and your king. 
And I tell you, God's done some great things for us here in this church in the small amount of time that we have been here. I mean, God has been so good to us. And I was sitting there and I'm thinking about last night. I'm thinking, I don't want to forget about these things. I want to make sure that I I remind everyone here what God has done. I want to remind my children about the things that God has done. We don't want to forget about it because if we do, we can end up in great danger. But you know what? These aren't the only things that we're supposed to remember. This isn't the only great thing that God has done for me. This isn't the only great thing that He has done for you. God has given us a great church. He's given us a great location, a great building. He's given us great people. And I don't ever want to forget that. And I hope none of you will ever forget that. I hope you'll always be thankful for it. I hope you will always tell others about the things that God is doing here. That you will give Him the praise for it. Don't ever give me the credit for it. You give me the credit for it, then God's going to have to knock me down a peg or two to show all of you who really was the one to get it done. Don't, don't do that to me. Don't give yourself the credit for it or He's going to have to knock you down a peg or two. You know, don't, we don't want to give it to ourselves or God is going to have to just take care of all of us. He gets the glory for all of it. He gets the credit. And we, but not only do we not want to give the credit to somebody else, we don't want to forget to praise God for it. We want to talk about it. But you know, there's other things too, great things that God has done that we ought to consider, that we ought to think about. And one, we ought to consider the salvation of your soul. I think that's one thing that we forget too often the salvation of your soul. I'm not going to preach a message on salvation right now, but you ought to every once in a while think back about when God saved your soul. And not only think about the time that it happened, but think about what He was doing when He saved you. I think it's a good thing to study the Bible and to study salvation. Study everything about salvation. Not so you can get saved again or to make you more saved. You can't get any more saved than you already are if you're saved. Just like you can't get any more lost than you are if you're lost. But the more we understand salvation and what it took for God to save us, the more we're going to appreciate it. The more we're going to be thankful for it. When we read those verses that Bible that says, you know, all our righteousnesses is as a filthy rag. I tell you, when you think about that, when sometimes you let your mind wander, you think about just how bad we really are and how holy God is. This morning in Sunday school, we sang, "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty." To think that that God loved us enough to save our souls—that is something that we do not want to forget. When we forget about what God did when He saved our souls, we are in great danger. One of becoming a very pious, arrogant people, a holier-than-thou group thinking, you know, we're so much better than everybody else. And we give ourselves the credit for it when the only reason we're doing any better at all is just because God saved our souls and He's given us the victory over sin. That could be any of us. And we can't ever forget that. We can't forget what we were saved, what God saved us out of. We can't forget what we were saved from. Boy, I mean, I was talking about it in Sunday school just this week. I've I talked to some folks that are that have gone through some horrible things, that have faced things that I can't even imagine facing. People that are in positions that in places I just hope I would never get. And many times, people who've been saved for a long time because they do not consider the salvation of their soul, because they forget what God did for them, they get this attitude of that. 
dirtbag. I mean, that scum. I mean, I can't believe just how wicked and how vile they are. But we ought to remember that if it were not for the grace of God, if it were not for the salvation of our souls, that could be us. Boy, when you listen to the news sometimes and you hear some of the stories, sometimes I just have to turn the radio off. They will be talking about just some horrible thing that happened somewhere. And I just can't even stand to hear it. It makes me sick to think that that kind of stuff can go on in our world. And it seems like it's becoming more and more common. And many times, the religious people especially will just get to looking and thinking, you know, what scum and what we ought to do is consider the great thing that God did for us when He saved our soul, understanding that that could be us. Maybe the difference in us and them is the family that you were born into. The difference between us and them, it may be the church that you grew up in. The fact that you were taught the truth from a young age. We have no idea where we could be were it not for the grace of God, were it not for His intervention, were it not for the salvation of our souls. And boy, if we would think about that every now and then, I think we would probably be a little more merciful to those that are out there that have not received the gift of salvation like we have. I think we would probably want to work a little harder to try to get them the message of salvation and try and to pray for these people and to do something to try to make a difference if we would consider the salvation of our own soul every now and then. God didn't save you just so He could save you. You could go to be, you know, know you're going to heaven and then just forget about it. We ought to remember it. We ought to tell other people about when God saved our soul. And it it's so important. We need to we ought to consider the word of God that we've been given. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse start reading in verse 20. And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. For thy word's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to Himself and to make Him a name and to do for you great things and terrible. For thy land before thy people which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever and thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that Thou hast spoken concerning Thy servant, concerning his house, establish it forever, and do as Thou hast said. And let Thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of Thy servant David be established before Thee. For Thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to Thy servant, saying, I will build Thee in house. Therefore, hath Thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto Thee. And now, O Lord God, Thou art that God, and Thy words be true. And thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore now let it please to bless the house of thy servant that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it. And with thy blessing, let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. What David's praying about here, God had put it into his heart. God had given him a message 
to build the temple. To build the house of God. And David, he is just overwhelmed that God had spoken to him and that God had revealed His Word to him. He's blown away by it. He's talking about the great and terrible things that God has done. You know, God is often referred to as being a terrible God in the Bible. We kind of use the word, when we use the word terrible, it's usually, you know, a bad thing, but just meaning that He's a God to be feared, a God to be reverenced, that this God is so powerful and so amazing, the things that He can do. I mean, boy, the lost should fear Him. They should be scared of Him. We should have that fear, uh, that respectful fear for Him. But David here, he's just overwhelmed by the fact that God spoke to him and that God revealed His Word to him. And you know what? We ought to be amazed and we ought to just be blown away by the fact that God has given us this book. That God has given us this written Word. This book that we have here, this it's God's it's God's message to us. This is God's way of communicating to us. Listen, you all in here today, you would I mean you think about your biggest hero, the bit your 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 favorite athlete or movie star or whoever. I mean, imagine if you got I've seen people before. I remember my grandparents, they had a letter that was from I remember seeing that was from President Reagan had his signature on. I don't know if it was like one of those personal things or just one they send out to everybody, but they saved that thing. It was from Ronald Reagan. And can you imagine if you got a personal note from a president of the United States? Whether you like him or not, hey, the president of the United States paid attention to me. He wrote something to me. He communicated with me. He gave me a phone call. He did whatever. You would be blown away. I mean, I remember my wife, she got all excited one time. This was when. How many's ever heard of 19 kids and counting in the Duggar family? All right, you know they're pretty well known. Well, my dad was at my uncle's church, and they were there visiting that church. And my dad was talking to Michelle Duggar, and my wife's a big fan. And I don't know what they have in common. You know, just I guess a lot of kids and all that. <laughs> all that. But um, my dad gave Michelle Duggar the phone. I was like, hey, I want you to talk to my daughter-in-law. And she got to talk to Michelle Duggar on the phone. She was like all excited. She got to talk to Michelle Duggar, and you know, and they're very normal people. And but you know it was it was a big deal to her. But imagine you know this is God's way of communicating with us, and we ought to consider that. We ought to be in awe of that. I mean, you listen. If your biggest hero in the world, that person that you would love to meet, you know that favorite actor, my you know one of my favorites. He died. I never got to meet. I always wanted to meet Don Knotts. I mean, Don Knotts was he was great. Uh, I've always wanted to meet Jerry Mathers, the Beaver. Uh, I've always wanted to meet him. But I mean, imagine if. I got a letter, if, if, if I got a letter in the mail from one of those people, I was like, oh, cool. Movie star sent me a letter. I'll read it later. Hey, none of you would do that. Whoever your favorite one is. I mean, you would you'd read it right what, what do they have to say to me? I mean, what, what's this all about? Is this really from them? And you would read it right away. Not only would you read it, you're probably going to read it a few times. In fact, you're probably just you're probably going to go read it to somebody else. You're probably going to call somebody up and say, "Hey, guess who I just got a letter from? Guess who I just guess who I just talked to on the phone? Guess who just communicated with me?" You would do that, and God has communicated with us through His Word, and we should consider that. I mean, we ought to think about what it took. 
to get this book in our hands. We see in the New Testament that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We see in the Old and New Testament that God has promised to preserve His Word to all generations. Therefore, the stories that we have in Genesis of Adam and Eve, of Noah, that the way the Bible says it happened is exactly how it happened. And to think that that message has been divinely preserved through the years And when you study how it was done, it was no small thing the way God preserved His Word. It was a great thing because He wanted us to know where we came from. He wanted us to know about how mankind started on this earth. He wanted us to know the stories of the great things He had done, of how He brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, of how we went from Adam and it goes through all the genealogies all the way up to Joseph and Mary and Jesus Christ, how the Messiah came into this world, but how He was born of a virgin. I mean, the stories of Jesus while He was on this earth that happened 2,000 years ago, they've been divinely preserved and saved for us. And they are ours and we have them contained in this book right here. God's Word to us. We ought to be in awe of that. We ought to be amazed at that. David was amazed that God had just put this thing in his heart. And God revealed through His Word to him through the prophet Nathan. He confirmed it through the prophet Nathan that God wanted him to build this temple. And David was just blown away that God talked to him. That God communicated a message to him that God asked him to do something, and it was it was an honor to him. And boy, we ought to feel that same way. He mentions how God had redeemed Israel to Himself. That Lord, I'm a part of this people that You have chosen for Yourself. God picked Abraham out of everybody in the world to start to to build a nation that God could bless, that He could give His law to, that could set the example. God had chosen Abraham. God had chosen Isaac and then Jacob and the twelve sons of Israel to become the twelve tribes. And then He chose David to be the king of those people. And David, he's just amazed at this. He was amazed that God wanted to communicate to the children of Israel. He mentioned that in there. That, hey, you want to talk to... you know, your people, this nation that we have, that You have made me king over. Lord, You're communicating with us. You're talking to us. And boy, he was just so excited. He was in awe of that. I remember when we went to Israel, um, many of the places over there, uh, the you know the religious sites and things that you can go to, many of them are owned by the Catholic Church. And many of them, they have large Catholic churches that are built over these sites. And I'm at one of them. They were spending thousands and thousands of dollars fixing this place up and renovating it because the Pope was going to be making a visit there in the next few months. And boy, these people, I mean, they were just all excited. The Pope is coming to our church. The Pope. And they're they're just going crazy over it. They couldn't believe the Pope is going to be making a visit to their church. And they were doing everything they could to prepare for it. We went... Uh, when we were in Jordan, we went to Mount Nebo where you can look and they the spot where they believed Moses stood and looked and God allowed him to see the promised land. And they had made this little stage up there that just for the Pope so he could go and stand up on that stage and look over the promised land. And I mean, I mean, everything, everybody was just going crazy over there because the Pope was coming. That he was going to give them a visit. And the Pope's just a man, by the way. 
I mean, he's he's just a man. He's a sinner and needs to get saved just like every other sinner. But imagine though, in David, he's, that God is wanting to communicate with us. Can you imagine if we found out the President of the United States, somebody was going to come and visit Rock Falls? Man, we would all feel like, wow, Rock Falls, our town. We must be important. They never, you know what, the politicians, they never pay attention to Illinois. We always go to the Democrats. The Democrats don't need to visit us. The Republicans don't even try. We get overlooked all the time. You know, I wish we lived in a swing state, you know, where we can, they, they come and give the speeches and stuff, but they don't even pay attention to Illinois. That's another subject there. But you know what? But it is. It's an honor. People get excited when that happens. Boy, they clean the place up. They get the roads all looking nice. I mean, they you know all the extra you know police are working overtime and they've got everything ready to go. They'll decorate up the streets just because of a politician that's coming. Because he's coming to give a visit, they feel it's that high of an honor. And David, he's amazed at God's attention that he paid to the children of Israel. And David was also amazed that God just wanted to communicate with him personally. He said, Lord, I, I'm just amazed that You have revealed this thing to me, that You've put it in my heart. And you know what? When you read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart about things. He will point things out to you. He'll show you things. May even while you're sitting in a church service and you're going across that scripture, the Lord might He'll point things out to you that I didn't even mention. You know why? Because God's speaking to you through His Word, and yet to you personally, He's show, He's shown you something. He He might have pointed out something specifically for you that nobody else even noticed. Because God was talking to you. That's our God. Boy, we ought to consider that. And think about just the great things that He had done. The fact that we have this Bible, we ought to thank God for it. We ought to consider the country that God has given us. You know, our country, I believe that we probably have the least to complain about, but we do the most complaining, don't we? You know, it's funny because right after I got this message done, I was looking through some... uh, I was going through my emails and uh, the Chambers, their old pastor, Pastor Driggers, he had sent me an email that went along so well with what I was trying, wanting to communicate uh, in this message about America. But it's a story. This didn't really happen. It's just kind of one of these stories. Make you feel good, I guess, or with the moral. But it's what happens in heaven when we pray. It says, I dreamed I went to heaven and an angel was showing me around. We walked side by side inside a large workroom filled with angels. My angel guide stopped in front of the first section and said, This is the receiving section. Here all petitions that God said in prayer are received. I looked around in this area and it was terribly busy with so many angels sorting out prayer petitions written down on voluminous paper sheets from people all over the world. Then we moved down on down a long corridor until we reached the second section. The angel then said to me, this is the packaging and delivery section. Here the graces and blessings the people ask for are processed and delivered to the living persons who ask for them. I noticed again how busy it was there. There were many angels working hard at the station since so many blessings had been requested and were being packaged for delivery to earth. Finally, at the farthest end of the long corridor, we stopped at the door of a very small station. To my great surprise, only one angel was seated there, idly doing nothing. This is the acknowledgement section, my angel friend quietly admitted to me. He seemed embarrassed. 
How is it that there's no work going on here, I asked. So sad, the angel sighed. After people receive the blessings that they ask for, very few send back acknowledgments. How does one acknowledge God's blessings, I asked. Simple, the angel answered. Just say thank you, Lord. What blessings should they acknowledge, I asked. Well, if you found food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof overhead and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of this world. If you have money in the bank and your wallet and spare change in a dish, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. And if you get this on your own computer, you're part of the 1% of the world who has this opportunity. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the many who will not even survive this day. If you have never experienced the fear and battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are ahead of 700 million people in the world. If you can attend a church without the fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are envied and more blessed than 3 billion people in the world. If your parents are still alive and still married, you are very rare. If you can hold up your head and smile, you are not the norm. You're unique to all those in doubt and despair. Okay, I said, how can I start? The angel said, if you could receive... uh, this If you can read this message, you just received a double blessing and that someone was thinking of you is very special and you are more blessed than over 2 billion people in the world who cannot read it all. Well, I got to think about that because I say this all the time in America, we think the whole world's like America. And we are the whiningest, cryingest bunch of people in the world and we've got it the best. You say, well, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of wickedness going on in this country. There's a lot of evil going out there. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. Because the truth is, we have a lot of great places to live in this country. The truth is, places where it is horrible, they I'm not trying to be cruel, but they've asked for it. You can go visit the churches in those places. A lot of them, they'll have graffiti sprayed all over them. The places have been destroyed. People who are out there suffering and starving, you can go, you can give them some money. You know what they're going to do with it? They're going to go buy drugs with it. They're going to go buy another pack of cigarettes. They're going to go buy alcohol with that money. There's, I mean, the wickedness that's going on in some of these places is just horrible. I just talked to somebody who was from the Chicago area. Showed me a picture of their daughter who was raped and shot and killed there in Chicago. And pretty much nothing was done about it. There's so much going on over there. I mean, you hear about it all the time. It seems like after every weekend, they, there's this huge number of shootings that happen in Chicago. Sometimes, most, a lot of times, little kids that are getting shot because of wickedness. Or it's not because of America. They like to try to blame America. They like to try to blame it on inequality and injustice. It's because of wickedness. The latest school shooting that just happened. Thankfully, nobody was killed. In that one, but I mean, I remember hearing one of the news reporters talking about it, and the new word that they like to use all the time when explaining these shooters is mentally ill. They keep talking about these mental illnesses. It's called wickedness. Okay, they call it mentally ill. I call, the Bible calls it wicked. It's wickedness. Okay, it's not just this disease that they picked up from hanging around another wicked or from another mentally ill person. It's just it's called wickedness. And unfortunately there are some wicked people out there that 
want to do evil. But you know what? It's not like that everywhere in this country. Because there are groups of people out there that want to do right. There's good churches that are all over this nation. There are people that love God in this nation. And unfortunately, they're becoming fewer and farther between. But they're still there. I believe we have one here. We have a group of, of people here. But most people in this country that are complaining are just people that are looking for handouts from the government and people that are demanding the government force others to accept all their wickedness. You know, you watch the news. That's what it's all about anymore. It's all either about, you know, the government's got to start giving out this handout, the government's got to start providing this, or it's any protest that you see out there demanding the government do this, demanding the government do that, or it's them complaining because people don't like them. You know what? Christians, we're not always the most liked people in the world, but you know what? I'm not going to go do a march demanding the government make a law to make people like Baptists. I really don't care. You know, I'm going to do my thing whether people like it or not. If my neighbor has a problem with me being a Baptist, and as far as I know, they don't, I'm going to go on being a Baptist. I'm not going to go ask the government to spy on him and see if he says hateful things about me and you know, give him a higher taxes because of hate speech or whatever. I'm not going to try to class, get myself classified in some minority status where I can get a tax break or something because I'm a victim because somebody doesn't like me. But boy, that's all you see on the news anymore in this country. If you watch the news, you think that this place is just the most horrible place in the world, but we're still the best place in the world to live. And these people that are whining and crying and complaining all the time, they're the ones that are going to make it like the rest of this world. And we need to, we need to stand against that stuff. But the places in this country that are bad are that way because people will not give up their wickedness. For the last couple of years, you know, I did the part-time job where I went into a lot of empty houses, you know, bank-owned houses, places that uh, you know, lost their homes to the bank, and pe- people would talk about, you know, all the horrible banks. I can't believe they would do this. But you know, one of the things that I found in common in almost all these places I went into, the places were trashed, full of beer cans, cigarettes everywhere, drug paraphernalia, pornography was just all over these places, almost every time. Almost every time, I, 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 my boys be with me sometimes. I tell them, "You see this mess? This is why. This is why they lost it. They're spending all their money on beer. They're spending all their money on drugs and all this other garbage. This is what's going to happen if you do that." And those same people will complain, "Hey, you know, the government needs to do something to help me out. The government needs to give me a bailout. Hey, how about you give up some of your wickedness?" And they'll complain, "This country's horrible. That this kind of thing can happen to us." No, you need. Give up your wickedness. It's not happening everywhere. Not because, not but not everybody is that wicked. But you know what? If I got involved in that stuff, it happened to me too. Boy, I, I we, we're now homeowners. I promise you, though, I know enough about my finances. If I start buying beer and cigarettes and all that stuff, I'm not going to be able to keep making those house payments. But you know what? I'd rather, I'd rather have the house than all that other junk. And people are choosing. This wickedness. 
They're not thinking about what God has done for them. They're not thinking about this country that God has given them. They're not thinking about what our forefathers did. They haven't considered the Constitution that uh, that they, our country was founded upon. They have not considered those troops that have fought and have died for us in multiple wars. They have not thought about any of that. Not at all. They don't consider those things. They don't consider the opportunities that we have. They don't consider the freedoms that are in this country. They've not even thought about it one bit. And they, as a result, they've forgotten. We have forgotten. And that's why we complain so much in this country. We have forgotten about the great things that God has done for our country. It's amazing. It's it's humbling the sacrifices our forefathers made for us. I mean, we've got many veterans here in this room, people that have went and that haven't fought in battles and enlisted in the military so to secure those liberties that we have. And boy, we've got to think about that. We've got to consider that. Otherwise, we're going to forget and we're going to get ourselves in trouble. Another thing that the Bible says that we ought to consider and think about, look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. Verse 20. This totally goes against our culture today and how we think about things. But Deuteronomy 10, verse 20 says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, Him shalt thou serve, and to Him shalt thou cleave and swear by His name. He is thy praise and He is thy God that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Talking about the parting of the Red Sea. That made everybody fear God. That saw that. The people that heard about it feared God. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with three score and ten persons and now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. Now I want you to think about this. Because this totally goes against our culture. We do not think about this. In America, we think that, I said it before, I'll say it again, we think that the whole world is like America. The multi- we ought to consider the multiplication of our family. You think about your grandparents, two people, and how many there are now. I was talking about my grandparents a couple weeks ago. Just the two of them. They had two kids that turned into 13 grandkids that's turned into I don't even know how many great-grandkids. The multiplication of the family. I mean, I remember the family reunions. We are On my mom's side, we would all go over to my grandparents' house. They had a small house. But we all fit in there. We'd all be fine. Now, if they still had that place and we tried having a family reunion there, we'd be in trouble. We wouldn't all fit in that place. You know why? God has multiplied our family and that is huge. Because you know what? In many countries and in many times, even in America in our own history, a big family was very rare. You know why? It wasn't because they weren't having kids. It was because they weren't surviving. It was because sometimes there was famines and there wasn't enough food to survive and they would die. There would be sicknesses that would come and sometimes wipe out villages and wipe out entire families. And if you had a large family... That was really rare, and not just that one mom, dad, and kids, but you know the grandkids and the aunts and uncles and the cousins and all those things. It was rare because land and nature would not support them. They were always dying off. And you think about it, we've got grandparents in here. You think about you uh, and your husband or your wife, 
and your children and how many grandchildren and how many great-grandkids there are now, if that number is getting bigger, God has blessed you that they're not all dying off. Multiplication used to be very difficult. But in our country, it's normal. It's not that rare to see a family reunion and see 50 or 60 people or more out there. You know what? That's a blessing. Children are a blessing. Although children are a heritage of the Lord, the fruit of the womb is His reward. The fact that there are as many people as there are in this country is proof that God has blessed us. You've got the groups out there that are always worried about overpopulation. You've got Planned Parenthood trying to shove pills down every woman's throat, trying to get abortions, as many abortions as they can, trying to save the world from overpopulation. Listen, we're doing pretty good in this country. God made this world to be inhabited. It is full. Our planet is full of life. There's so much of it here. God made this planet to be able to sustain life. And the very fact that our families are multiplying the way they are in this country is proof that we are blessed. It is not like that in other countries. They're dying off too fast because of diseases and sickness. We've got medications and things that can help us. We have doctors in this country. I mean, we have we have plenty of food in this country. And we've got to think about that because when we forget, when we forget, Psalms 106, verse 13. Psalms 106, verse 13. I'm going to close with this. Talking about the children of Israel, after all, God had done all these great things for them, bringing them out of Egypt. It says they soon forgot His work. They waited not for His counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. You know why we don't want to have big families today? Because then we're not going to be able to afford that extra car. We're not going to be able to afford to have that extra big screen TV. We're not going to be able to have all these things. We are so stinking greedy in this country. It's not even funny. I'm going to have to, if we have any more kids, we're not going to be able to afford to eat McDonald's anymore. I'm going to have to start cooking food at home. And I mean, we're just, we're just that greedy. And I'm not telling you that you have to have 18 kids or anything like that, or even six kids like we have, but I'm just telling you why people look at this as a curse because they're just lusting exceedingly. God was feeding them manna. They had what they needed to survive. Most people in the world, if they just knew that they were going to survive the day, would be thankful. But in our country... We've got a different attitude because we lust exceedingly. And the Bible says in verse 15, and He gave them their request, but sent leanness to their soul. God gave them what they wanted. He gave them meat, but they weren't able to enjoy it. In fact, it made them sick. In our country, God has given us what we've wanted. Boy, we've got all the technology. We've got the big screen TVs. We've got the cell phones. We've got the cars. We've got the nice houses. We've got the air conditioning in the summer. We've got the heat in the wintertime. But people today are more unthankful than ever. They are in depression and needing medication to help them cope with the fact that they can't keep up with the Smiths and the Joneses. I mean, it's just sick how greedy we are. Constantly going to the government trying to get them to give us stuff. It's absolutely wicked. Verse 16, They envied Moses also in the camp and Aaron and the saint of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abiram. And a fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the multitude of an ox that eateth grass. They forgot God. Their saved 
Savior which had done these great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. They forgot. And when we forget, we are going to get stinking greedy. If we forget about what God has done for us in this church, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go... There's always going to be a bigger, nicer, fancier church out there somewhere. Wow. How come God hasn't done that for us? There's always going to be a church out there that's got more people than this church has. Wow, how come God hasn't given us that many people? There's always going to be somebody that's driving a nicer car than you. How come God hasn't given me a car like that? How come God hasn't given me a house like that? If we forget, we are in great danger of becoming very unthankful and greedy and miserable. And I'm saying all this today, just ask you to consider to think about the great things that God has done for you because you know what? God has been very good to us. So much more than we deserve. And I think for us here today, for us to be unthankful and for us to be coveting after what other people have, I think it would anger God just like it angered Him when the children of Israel did it. Let us not do that. Let us be thankful for what God has done. God has been so good to us. So let's all stand together.